Here in the Tigers Avenue, episode number seven. This is the biggest episode we're going to have yet. We got a whole lot coming at you. We got basketball winning the Emerald Coast Classic. We got football on a walk-off win. And we got the new, the improved LSU football coach, Brian Kelly. We got a lot to talk about today. Let's get right into it. Basketball wins the Emerald Coast Classic down in Niceville, Florida. Zach, give me your thoughts on what the Tigers did down there. Well, I got to be the first to say I was correct on my prediction of the Penn State game. I knew it was going to be close. I knew that it was going to be a hard-fought game. And you're right. My prediction of the shooting was also correct. I knew that going into a new arena coming out of the PMAC, first game outside of the PMAC, I thought it was going to be tough on the boys, and it was. They did not shoot well this weekend. And the good news is, even though they did not shoot well, they won both games, right? So that was really big. Darius Days, um, should we be concerned for him right now? I'm not sure. But the shooting wasn't great for him. But the other guys stepped up. That game was very close. We went into overtime with them. I think you could have had a lot better sequence there at the end of the game against Penn State and put it away in regulation. But you didn't. Fortunately, though, you were able to get it done in overtime and kind of kind of put a stranglehold on them in overtime, and it was really no doubt once the Tigers pulled away. Then you go into the Wake Forest game, and Wake Forest matchup, it was two battles of the unbeaten, and LSU was actually able to just dominate that game. And the scoring came all over the place. You saw all kinds of guys scoring, which was very impressive. Really, really, really satisfying to see this team compete and battle in the first game and then come out the second game and completely dominate the Deacons and able to get a dub and win the Emerald Coast Classic. Um, I believe this is the first in-season tournament win for the Tigers since, I believe, 99. If I saw that correctly, which was really big for Will Wade and the boys, you got to give it to them. I am upset though, Reagan. I am. I am very upset. Today we found out LSU continues to not get any respect from the NCAA, from the AP poll. They are still no longer ranked, and it is it is frustrating me. It's pissing me off to be honest with you, because this team. You cannot tell me that this team is not a top 25 team. This basketball team is a top 25 team, period. This basketball team statistically ranks in the top 25 just about everywhere. And it is extremely frustrating 
because at this point, I know, I think it was a couple episodes ago, or maybe last episode, I mentioned that I, I was hesitant to say that this was because of the NCAA having a vendetta against Will Wade. At this point, I believe it fully. I believe that there is a vendetta against Will Wade because of uh, the NCAA wanting Will Wade's head. They are continuing to disrespect this team, and I think it is completely unfair to these players because a lot of these players that are that are playing this season have nothing to do with what happened three years ago with Will Wade, and it is completely unfair to them. And the NCAA continues to prove how terrible of an organization they are and how they absolutely have no clue how to run um, themselves. It's extremely disappointing. Um, and it's just, I, I, I don't really know what, what more to say. It's, it's, it's really dumb. The NCAA has, it's, has it out against, against these boys. And it's, it's very, 100%. very disheartening. There is no question. It is, it is inexcusable what the pollsters, uh, for the top 25 are doing. Uh, they're completely ignoring the success of LSU and people are saying, Oh, they haven't beaten anybody, blah, blah, blah. Well, a lot of the top 25 haven't beaten anybody either, and we have two, uh, maybe three quad one wins so far this year in Liberty, in uh, Belmont, in Wake Forest. And Wake Forest was an undefeated team when we played them. And uh, Belmont last year was 26-4 and four and made the tournament, and Liberty made the tournament. So it's inexcusable uh, what is happening with the pollsters, and this team is being looked down on for something that happened in the past, and the NCAA is holding a grudge for it and will not let it go. They have searched and searched and searched Will Wade and everybody involved in everything to find something and have not, but they won't let it go because they have to hang somebody for it, and they want that guy to be Will Wade. Um, so it's inexcusable. But eventually the success, the success of this team will not be able to be denied and 100% will be in the top 25. Now, when it comes to these last two games, I think you covered them really well. Uh, just to highlight some of the players, Terry Eason continues to be incredible. Stud. He had 20 points. Stud. I, I'm, yes, stud. 20 points off the bench against Penn State. Just an incredible performance. He was stellar in that game, and he was one rebound away from another double-double. Uh, Pinson also had a, a really good night that night, and he hasn't been one – that has scored much uh, all season long. He's been really a, a great facilitator, um, a great point guard. Um, and, I mean, he plays point guard, so he should be. And he's he's leading the team in assists and whatnot, so he plays great. And he dropped 15 points, which also helped the fact that Darius Days has been off a little bit and his scoring hasn't been completely there. And he picked up the slack where Darius – uh, fell a little bit. Um, that was a tight, tight game. Your prediction was 100% correct. And I, my prediction was incorrect, and I'm not going to run away from that or stray from that. Um, I thought the Tigers were going to come there and handle it. and But you hit you hit the nail on the button. Um, they, they had a tough time shooting, and that was pretty apparent. Um, but they got the job done. And in all honesty, the game should have never gone to overtime because there was a slow clock operator in that high school, junior college, whatever gym that was they were playing in. And it, that shot that happened should have never gone in. Now, when it comes to the Wake Forest game, 
dude, everybody was eating. Like there was yeah, no, for sure. I mean, there, I mean, I mean, there were standouts, but everybody ate, bro. I mean, days twelve points. Efton Reed fourteen points, which I think he had his best game of the year against Wake Forest so far. Which yeah, is he he led all say. scores in that game. Yeah, he he had the most points, fourteen points. Brandon Murray nine, Xavier Pinson nine, Alex Fudge eleven, Terry Eason nine, Eric Gaines eleven. So the entire team was eating that game, bro. They were spreading the ball around, getting the ball players, getting players good looks. And another thing that was really cool is it felt like every other play you were watching an alley oop. Like it was like every other play yeah. was a dunk. Yeah. You saw some dude in purple just smashing it down which was really awesome. Another thing that was really dumb, I thought, a part of the game, it's just a little side note to mention, the technical fouls. I think we had three or four technical fouls that were called on us that I just thought were dumb because yep. they were just they were excited. They were celebrating, and, and they called it every dang time. Yeah, there was, there was tons of alley-oops, and one of them that you're talking about, the technical foul, was called on Eric Gaines because they said he chinned up on the, the rim after he slammed it. He pulled up. Uh, and then another one, which the bucket counted because the technical foul came after the bucket, is is when Alex Fudge went up and just postered the dude, and he's tapping the top of his head, got the and one, was letting him hear it, and he got called for the tech. I love it though. Like I, I feel like they embody this fun, uh, um, in your face, just going to go at you and attack you mentality that, that, that Will Wade brings to this team. And there's no doubt about it. This man is General Wade. Um, I'm pumped about this team and everything they're going to keep doing because they're going to keep winning. And I think the chances of them being undefeated when it comes to conference play have gone up exponentially. Um, I think we will 100% be going into uh, conference play undefeated. All right, let's get on to the football field here. That pretty much covers everything with basketball. Um, man, oh, man, the Tigers are bowl eligible. Man, we hey. thought that it was for sure going to be a loss. But the Tigers pull off a last second, 20 seconds left on the clock, touchdown shot from Max Johnson to Jeray Jenkins. To take the lead, twenty-six to twenty-four. The PIT, PAT made it twenty-seven to twenty-four. And man, what a play it was! Now, Zach, I, I want to say we weren't really off in our prediction of this game, right? Because <laughs> in all reality, what has happened with LSU and in this offense happened in this game. What's happened all season happened in this game. They start off, it was strong. We jump out and lead. It's like, holy smokes, we're beating AM. And then it slows down. AM gradually gets back into it. AM takes the lead with only a few minutes left on the clock. LSU gets stopped again, and it seems like it's over. But LSU, even though their offense had stalled, like it always does, um, the last drive of this game, when they got the ball back with just a, a, a just a little bit of time on the clock, pulled off a game-winning drive with some awesome passes. And they even got a, a fourth and seven to Jack Besh to keep this drive alive way back in their own territory. 
so it really felt like it was about to be over with because there was three plays in a row that were just like – and and mm-hmm. then they hit Jack Besh on fourth down. Uh, what, what, what was amazing to me is Jack Besh only had two targets on the entire game. And one of them was – in all honesty, was overthrown, and he was also kind of pulled down on the play, so the P.I. wasn't called. And so he only got the ball to him that one time uh, in in the final drive there on fourth down. Zach, give me your thoughts on the game. Uh, It was just an awesome thriller like of a moment. All the crap of this season, the downs, the coach being fired, the stale offense for that to be the regular season ending was just like a breath of fresh air. All, you know, irritation was released in that. And now the Tigers are bowl eligible. Give me your thoughts on the game. Well, Hey, I want to give a big shout out to Damone Clark. Damone Clark earlier in the week said, Oh, we're going to beat him. We're going to beat him. He called a shot and he delivered. He called it. And what a game from him. He played a phenomenal game. I think he definitely continued his streak of just playing exceptionally well and continued his streak of playing like he deserves the Budkiss Award. I believe he should win it. I'm worried about the potential of him not getting it because of just the year that overall LSU has had. I think what you said earlier was really – uh, it was really important, and I agreed with. This was very similar, uh, very the same. It wasn't like this was some di- huge different game that LSU played. It was really much of the same. But what you weren't able to do against Bama, what you weren't able to do against Auburn, what you weren't able to do against Arkansas, you did here. You finished. Now it had to come in like a miraculous fashion. And as you said, it got pretty low. I mean, it got to a really, really low point. When Texas A&M scored there and made it 24-20, to I really thought the game was over. I thought it was done because the offense had shown us what they had shown us throughout the entire year, especially these last few weeks, which was that it had stalled out. You weren't going to see much more from them. But the boys were able to get it done and pull it out. The fourth and seven, as you mentioned, was huge because it was really at that moment that you thought it, it really was over. But I also got to give a shout-out to Max. He played a a great game. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that these next two games, the ULM game and this game, were going to be uh, an audition for the new coach. The new coach, we'll talk about that, which we're super excited about. But uh, I think he performed very well in these last two games. He put up over 300 yards. He had three touchdowns, no turnovers. Of course, he... He had his struggles this game. I was very frustrated with him at times. Again, standing in the pocket, being indecisive, um, not throwing it away when he should, you know, being a second too early, a second too late on some of his decision-making. But when it mattered, when we needed it the most, he stood in the pocket, delivered a ball perfectly as he's getting hammered and puts it right on. Jeray Jenkins for the game-winning touchdown. You also got to, of course, shout out Jeray Jenkins. This is by far, I believe, his best career game. Jeray! He had, he had, and what a way to go out on senior night, right? Eight receptions, 169 yards, two tutties. 
He had the one in the first half. He had the game Son. winner. Trey Palmer also had a really good night. He um, he had five receptions, but the big one was right before the end of the first mm-hmm. half. They throw a little bubble screen, and you finally got to see what we've been waiting for for it seems like forever now. We finally got to see that breakaway speed. Uh, Trey Palmer just break one free and take it to the house, and he did that. 61 yards, he takes it to the house. Breaks breaks the defender, um, and then it was all speed the rest of the way, and he looked fantastic. Malik Neighbors had a pretty decent night. He had 51 yards. He had three drops that were really bad, though. Uh, we, we hope to see that get cleaned up soon. Hey, and then also we mentioned it in the last podcast, Ty Davis-Price. He is the 21st running back in LSU history to reach 1,000 yards. Yeah, yeah. You would have told me that. Um, if you would have told me that six weeks ago, I would have not believed you because he had just had a really rough start. The offensive line was terrible. You got to also give props to the offensive line. They have looked really well the last few weeks considering all things. But TDP, he gets 84 yards rushing. Doesn't get a touchdown, but he gets just enough yardage to be able to hit the 1,000-yard mark. And what a way to send out Ed Ordron. I know we have talked so much trash uh, on him, and deservingly so. But give props to Edo. He he loved this program. He was a Louisiana guy. Whether you want to argue or not of how 2019 was put together, he was the head coach of this 2019 national championship team, and we will forever be thankful for that. And so what an awesome way to send out Ed O in his final game as an LSU Tiger. We found out at the end of the game that he is going to Destin, Florida with his girlfriend and he is <laughs> oh, going God. to be he is going to be around <laughs> the blue waters and the white sandy beaches and he is going to just take <laughs> his 17 million and his woman and he is going to enjoy life and sit back and relax while he watches what unfolds with this new LSU football (laughs) regime. Yeah. You know, (laughs) that was the most, like, Ed Orgeron thing to go out on. It was so, like, like, literally, the women had been a major problem (laughs) and his off-the-field issues, posting pictures in the bed, half-dressed. Uh, with a chick in in L.A. the day before UCLA, around the town, like all this stuff. And like he gets $17 million, goes out on a last-minute touchdown win against A&M and says, hey, I'm going to the beach, puts his arm around his new girlfriend and walks out the door. I mean, what a way no to go filter. out. No filter. <laughs> no, I mean, it's funny, but at, at the same time, it's like, this is exactly Bro, this what. This is the reason why like, he is gone. The reason why he is gone, like it's, yeah. it's like I said, when you're winning, when you're winning, it's not a problem. When you're right. losing, it becomes a problem. Yeah. You won in uh, an awesome, extreme fashion, and so it was kind of like just this gangster move for him to make walking out the door. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, you're like, "Yep, that's exactly why yep. you are no longer the head coach at LSU." Uh, and yeah. including the results on the field. So, but I mean, overall, great night. I mean, it was fantastic. 
you know, as an LSU fan, you just got to love it. You go buck wild. You avoid a losing season for the first time since 99. Of course, bowl pending uh, us win, winning that game. That's another thing we'll probably get to talk about here soon, maybe in the next podcast. We won't cover it this podcast. But overall, man, it was an awesome night. I, I, I loved it and just getting to go berserk and, and, and scream for the Tigers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, props to Ed O. He went out a winner. Enjoy your 17 mil. Hit the beach. See you later, man. We got a new coach coming in. Um, I do want to come back to this just real briefly, and then we'll hit the new coach. Uh, I am thrilled for all these seniors. Neil Farrell, Glenn Logan, uh, Jare Jenkins, um, all these guys, Austin Deculus, Ed Ingram, all these guys who stuck with the program, who were LSU. Cam Lewis, Todd Harris. Cam Lewis, Todd Harris, who were ride or die, bleed purple and gold. Hey, we appreciate y'all being a Tiger. And, hey, you to go out a winner um, your last time in Tiger Stadium. Um, also, Neil Farrell at the end of the regular season is the highest rated defensive tackle in the country. Pay that man. Make your money, big boy. Pay that man. And I am a little worried about the Buckkiss, not only because of the failures of LSU as a team, uh, typically, the awards go to where there is success. But also, I mean, Georgia is the best team in the nation, and Nicobe Dean is a finalist for that. And if there were, if there would be anybody other than Damone that I'd give it to, I'd give it to Nicobe Dean, the boy right down the street from us at Horn Lake High School who whooped up on our alumni, the DeSoto Central Jaguars, for several years and made our offense and our defense look silly at several times. So I wouldn't be upset if the the, the award went to Nakobe because I would be excited for him, uh, the DeSoto County boy. All right, man, let's get into it. I am freaking stoked. I t- am stoked. Get a T-Bob A-Bear reaction. Woo! Yeah, 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 yeah! Woo! Go Tigers! We got a good head coach! Yeah, 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 yeah! <laughs> we may need to adjust the volume on that one. I don't know if I apologize. My, I apologize to our Holy listeners. Holy cow. Hey, I am stoked, though. This is a huge hire. Brian Kelly is leaving Notre Dame to be LSU's new football head coach. It is confirmed. It is done. It is sealed. It just broke like 15 minutes before we sat down to record this podcast. It broke. Um, And we've been waiting for this. Um, Let's get into the background a little bit here, Zach. Um, Our last podcast, right? And I think just about all of Tiger Nation was expecting Lincoln Riley to be the next head football coach. And there's no question, there is no doubt, that there were discussions, there were contracts discussed, there were deals trying to be made. And we found out that Scott Woodward was even coming back uh, to the boosters uh, of, of, of LSU and was asking for more money, which makes it apparent that he was in a bidding war And 
Unfortunately, he lost that bidding war. LSU lost that bidding war, and he went to USC. Now, for me, I don't know how everybody else feels. I don't think LSU lost. I think this is more of Lincoln Riley's desire to not come to the SEC. He made it abundantly clear when Oklahoma uh, released and Texas released that they were coming to the SEC that he wasn't happy about it, and he wasn't all for it, all for it. And if you were to ask people around Oklahoma the feel on it, was that they didn't think he was going to coach whenever Oklahoma went to the SEC, that he was going to take the opportunity uh, before that happened um, to get out. I think that makes a whole lot of sense when you think of him not coming to LSU because obviously – LSU's in the SEC West, right? He's going to be thrown right into it. And if he doesn't want to play coach in the SEC, you don't take LSU's job. And if USC is willing to pay you just as much or a little bit more and you don't want to come to the SEC, sure, you can take your scared little tail and run from the competition, run from the heat of the SEC, run from the big dogs, and you can tuck your tail between your legs and you can go live the L.A. Uh, kombucha natural foods market self up in L.A. and enjoy the sloppy, the sluggish, the lackluster, pitiful Pac-12 play, win you a few games, make the USC Trojans happy, and stay your tail in L.A. till you use it to jump into the NFL because everybody knows that that's what you're doing. You're taking a whole lot of ton of money. You're taking this big house. You're taking the fancy L.A. life because you were scared for the competition, Lincoln Riley. And you know what? I don't care that you're, an LSU's co- you're not LSU's coach anymore because we found out the truth. And the truth is you're scared. But the reality is I think LSU won this by getting Brian Kelly. Make no mistake – This is a major hire. This is the grand slam. This is the home run. This is the big fish. This is a Scott Woodward hire. Brian Kelly is the winningest coach in college football, period. Active, that is. He is the winningest active coach in college football. And his winning percentage is only second to Nick Saban. This is a major hire. You can argue about the shortcomings when it comes to the playoffs and winning the big games, but everybody in LSU's world wanted to hire Lincoln Riley. Well, what has Lincoln Riley done in the playoffs? Oh, that's right. The exact same thing. The exact same thing. So the it argument 63 that, to 28 by LSU. Yeah, yeah. And LSU beat the dog out of them the last time they were in the playoffs. I, I just I don't understand the complaints of LSU uh, fans that uh, about getting Brian Kelly other than Lincoln Riley when Lincoln Riley doesn't have the major big game success just like Brian Kelly, but Brian Kelly has won more games and he's the winningest active coach in all of college football. So this is a this is a good hire. This is a slam dunk hire, and I'm telling you right here, right now. Brian Kelly's going to kill it at LSU. And I think everybody's going to think, oh, he's older. He hasn't won the big games, whatever, whatever. 
there has been major success for him at Notre Dame, and it takes a whole lot to get a coach away from the success he's had at a program like that. And you know what I think this is? I think this is Brian Kelly signing up to go to the SEC West, put himself in the fire, and make a push for championships. Because, right, he hasn't won a championship, but I think he's coming to a program where he knows it's been done more than anybody except for Bama in the college playoff BCS era, and he can come and get it done. And I'm pumped. I'm stoked. And the fact that Brian Kelly can can have 10-win seasons or more for five years straight the past five years with the type of recruiting he has to recruit in the state of Indiana with the education restrictions that Notre Dame, a school like that, has, and you come to LSU in a talent-rich Louisiana state in a school where you only have to have a 2.0 GPA to play football, and he's going to do a heck of a lot good at LSU, and he's going to create a winning culture, and it's going to be incredible. I know I've ranted long, but I'm pumped, and the Tigers, we need to be pumped as a as a whole program, as a fandom for this hire because this is huge. Zach, I'm going to take a deep breath, and I'm going to let you give your thoughts. Uh, man, I'm I'm with you. I think this is a, a a huge hire. I'm also with you on the Lincoln Riley mess. I was all for bringing Lincoln. I thought it was going to be a great hire for LSU, especially with the day and age of college football and where we're at right now, um, offensively with this game. I thought it was going to be a huge hire, really, really, really important hire for LSU to bring Lincoln Riley in. But when he showed his hand and showed us that he was not willing and verbally saying things that like he was not willing to come and compete in the SEC, no thank you. No thank you. Because guess what? Here at LSU, you have to compete in the SEC. You have to be willing to go out and recruit and compete in recruiting in the SEC. Um, And if you don't want that smoke, no thank you. As you said, Go to L.A., live your lavish lifestyle, win your eight to ten games a year at USC, you know, go play the Pac-12 Conference Championship and then go get your tail whooped just like you did at Oklahoma in the playoffs. That's fine. Go do that. At the same time, the only thing that worries me about Brian Kelly is the age. You mentioned it. Um, He's a little bit older than somebody like – Napier, like Kiffin, those names that were mentioned. That's the only thing that really worries me. The other thing that worries me a little bit is with his background in uh, Indiana. I know he's going to be able to recruit that. I'm a little worried, just a little worried about him recruiting in Louisiana, but I don't think there's really going to be a problem there when I really think about it. Another thing that I think is really important is we have now been notified that Corey Raymond is going to remain in his position at LSU. Blake Baker is very, very, very likely to remain in his position at LSU. Um, Brad Davis is is probably going to remain in his position at LSU. I think it's worth mentioning that he is going to be the interim head coach for the bowl game, uh, which is going to make history that he is going to be the, the first black coach uh, to lead the LSU Tigers. I think that's huge. 
Uh, really, really awesome accomplishment for him in the history of LSU football. I think he's going to continue to keep his job at LSU. A last name, Kevin Falk. Kevin Falk, it's also reported that he is very likely to keep his job at LSU. We can talk about this uh, moving forward, Reagan. Brian Kelly, obviously, we are stoked and extremely excited for him to be the head coach. Now we move on to the coordinators. Who's going to be offensive coordinator? Who's going to be defensive coordinator? Personally, I think Durante has a very, very good case to remain on as the D.C. at LSU. I think he at least deserves the respect from these past few weeks and and the product that he has put on the field with this depleted defense. I think he deserves an interview, and I would be thrilled to continue uh, to have him as the defensive coordinator. I know people are going to argue that. I know some people are probably going to disagree. But just based on what I've seen from him and the adjustment, once he once the reins and the grip of Ed Ordron's micromanaging him was let go and he was able to run this defense how he wanted to run it, they thrived. And so I, I think he deserves a look to be the defensive coordinator for next year and moving forward. Offensive coordinator, I think it's going to be interesting. But what are your thoughts on the coordinators moving forward? If he goes and hires someone else, I really, really, really would like for him to consider Barry Odom um, or anything like that. Um, Zach, you got something? Yeah, we just got word two minutes ago. Dennis Dodd reports hearing that the salary for Brian Kelly will be $15 million a year. Yeah, I'm – and that's and that's my thing there. That's my thing right there. Is if you wanted to go contend for a national championship at the highest level in college football in the SEC in the heat of competition, you could have got all the money you wanted from LSU because they wanted you. So that just proves that they were willing to pay the money to get their guy but Lincoln Riley wanted the USC job because he didn't want to touch the SEC with Oklahoma, and he didn't want to touch the SEC with LSU. Um, so that, that's that's incredible. I mean, if that's true, then that makes him the highest-paid college football coach in the history of college football, which is incredible. Um, so back to the defensive coordinators, I'd like to see Barry Odom considered – um, I think Durante Jones absolutely should should be considered for the job. Um, Ron Roberts, Linehard, my opinion. Who? You said I think Ron, Ron Roberts. Roberts definitely yeah, deserves Baylor. a look at Baylor. I think he I think deserves Marcus a look. Freeman I think is a long shot, but but uh, potentially him. You know, with him being is at he? Notre Dame, yeah, he yeah, could that's what I'm saying. Is that a long shot? I don't know. I, I think here, here's the reason I say it's a long shot because I think with him now, uh, we're hearing that he is going to be the interim. Um, I think that could be an audition for him to be the next head coach in Notre Dame. That's why it could potentially be a long okay. shot. Okay. Okay. I didn't know that he was potentially the, going to be the interim. But, I mean, if if he's not, then I don't think that's much of a long shot to bring Marcus Freeman with him. In the offensive coordinator world, um, I like what Warren R- Ruggiero has done at Wake Forest. I mean, holy smokes. 
I mean, their offense has been popping this year. I think Dan Mullen will absolutely take a head coaching job somewhere. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But if Dan Mullen ain't getting a look anywhere, shoot, Can give him a imagine? call. Yeah. Can you I mean, give him a call. So, I mean, he's looking for a job, right? You know, if I got to think he, he, he fills in one of these openings because there's a ton of openings. I mean, something like Duke, like Duke would hire him in an instant. I don't know if he would go there, but I'm just saying – there's head coaching positions that uh, I think Dan Mullen will e- easily slide right into. But if not, you know, pick up the phone and call him. Um, so we'll have, you know, we're going to be able to talk about this on, on the podcast for however many episodes because all this is going to unfold. He's going to be announced. Staff will be, you know, worked over. Uh, hires will be made. And he'll have to re-recruit this roster. He'll have to recruit this this class, and we'll see how that works out. Zach, what you got? I know I didn't mention an offensive coordinator, but I think Jeff Lebby at Ole Miss is also uh, very interesting and deserves a look. Obviously, Ole Miss to LSU, you're going to get a pay raise there. So I think he definitely deserves a look with the product that they've put on the field at Ole Miss and the offense that we've seen this year from them. Absolutely. I agree. Um, That would be another great hire, I think. For Brian Kelly. But we'll see. It's going to be up to him to make those decisions. Tiger Nation, you better start getting pumped because this is an incredible hire. I am stoked for what the future holds for this man and for this program. Scott Woodward has done it again. His track record is just incredible. I mean, Peterson – uh, Kim Mulkey, Jay Johnson, Jimbo Fisher, uh, you know, Buzz, Buzz Williams. And now he gets to add to the list Brian Kelly from Notre Dame to LSU. Way to go, Woodward. You continue to be successful. You continue to prove yourself to be the best athletic director in all of college football. And, hey, I've got one more thing to say before we wrap this episode up. Lincoln Riley, we'll see you in 2024, Las Vegas, baby. Catch us there. All right, that's it for episode number seven for the Tigers Avenue. Tiger Nation, it's an exciting time. Let's get pumped for this offseason and what Brian Kelly's going to do. And, man, I'm looking forward to what he can accomplish for this program. Who that, who that, five stone in the